and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 520. Nice. What are we talking about? What are we talking about, Dan? Uh, We are going to be talking about Green Lantern number two. And I mean, really, we're going to be talking about the 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 train wreck that is Hal Jordan's life and existence (laughs) generally. (laughs) Yes, yes, we will definitely touch on some of that. Oh, boy. Oh, 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 boy. Okay, so uh, getting right into it, I guess. Green Lantern number two is written by Jeremy Adams with art by Zermanico, colors by Romulo Ferrardo Jr., and letters by Dave Sharp. The title of this issue is Nice Guys Finish First. Remember that one. Uh, After quickly dispatching the guy in the Manhunter armor from the end of issue one, Hal decides to test out his new ring against the Demolition Team, a group of low-level construction-based villains. He whips up a genuinely impressive ghostly construct that scares the bad guys into surrendering surrendering themselves to the police, leaving Hal to focus on what's really important, flying. But as soon as he reaches the border between Earth's atmosphere and outer space, the ring dies, leaving Hal to fall 330,000 feet straight down. But that isn't the only airborne hijinks Hal's getting into this time, since he's now the co-pilot of Carol's private jet, a position he instantly abuses to separate Carol from her fiancé and corner her with nowhere to run. Thankfully, the plane is bombarded by thousands of skeleton ghosts that are somehow less threatening than Hal Jordan as we transition into DC's spooky summer event, Night Terrors. Then we've got Jon Stewart's backup story, The Rise of the Revenant Queen Part 2, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Montos, colors by Adriano Lucas, and letters by Dave Sharp. John is having trouble adjusting to civilian life and can't shake the feeling that the violence he left behind will follow him home. No matter what he says about there not being anywhere else he'd rather be, John was a soldier and a lantern for far too long to just turn that off and make a clean transition. Elsewhere, in another time and universe, Shepard is the last Green Lantern standing in the way of the Revenant Queen snuffing out the Watchfire, which would mean the end of the Green Lantern Corps once and for all. But as she reaches out and touches the flame, a person emerges from it. John Stewart. This John has been inside the watch, uh, the watch fire for years, serving as the power source for the Corps after they lost the central battery. Now it's just John and Shepard against the Revenant Queen and her army of the undead. Was that it, Dan? <laughs> that's, that's it. Good splash page, at least at the end. Yeah, for sure. Very good. Like, like, very little happened in the John part, but it's like 
I I feel like I'm so I'm so eager to see this expand out into its own whole book. Some of the art styles again. I said it last time. I'll say it again. It reminds me of, and I said in the episode Earth Two. I meant the Earth One Green Lantern series, um, but uh, it reminds me a lot of that, especially when Powers, uh, the Green Green Will Power is showing somewhere on the page or the light or whatever. One thing Dan mentioned, we should. You said he's inside the the Watchfire. He is the Watchfire. D- oh, like yeah. Okay, so like like his body turned into like a fiery mass of fire. Yeah, he says he literally says when we lost the central power battery, I became the Watchfire. Okay. Yeah. Which begs the question, you know, what happened? I like clearly there's been a time skip because Shepard says like we nobody's seen you for a generation. Last time we saw this world the central battery was hidden away on earth in the form of his little sister. How much time has actually passed and what happened to that little sister battery? That's true. Only the shadow knows, Dan. Obsidian. We can just ask him. (laughs) I like the first part. The first, it it read really quick. And in fact, it seemed like it was way too short. The way it was, it, it was really interesting, and then boom, it just seemed. I mean, it was a cool way to end it. It just seemed like it just ended out of the out of the blue, and then leaves us hanging because we have the uh, the like event with a small e. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm. I mean, ever since I saw that Jeremy Adams is also writing the two issues of Night Terrors, I've been hoping that like, okay, that maybe maybe there's a chance that this will not feel like a disruption. Maybe this will low with what he was already telling with Hal, which I don't, I don't know. I, I think there's a good, ch- a good chance that we won't really feel this in the way that we're afraid we will. But uh, I think he actually tweeted about it at one point, but finding that tweet's going to be crazy. I'll just do it in the background casually, but I think, I think he <laughs> talked, I think he talked about it in that he has, he figured out a way to um, to make it so it wasn't such a jarring interruption to the narrative that's going on in his series. Um, I could be wrong. He might have actually said something about it in one of his interviews that I've listened to, but I'm pretty sure he mentioned something about it. I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. and If I find it, I'll let us know. Yeah, because just, just in case anybody listening doesn't know, Green Lantern number two came out this month. Next month, instead of Green Lantern number three, we're getting Night Terror's Green Lantern number one. Then a month later, we're getting Night Terror's Green Lantern number two. And then the month after that, we're getting Green Lantern number three. And yeah. I don't know why they're doing it this way, but I will just it just is what it is, I guess. I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to Green Lantern becoming a horror book for two months. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, other than that. At least it's not a 12 month hiatus this time. And at least we're still getting content every month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this isn't even, this might not even, that's the thing. This might not even be a hiatus at all. It's like, it's the same writer continuing this narrative about the same character. So, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it plays out. I, for one, welcome the chance to see, see uh, uh, a representation of what's going on inside Hal Jordan's mind right now with all these the nightmare stuff happening because just just judging his character by his actions aren't doing him <laughs> any favors 
Yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. And uh, there was another tweet, but the only way I can, the only one I can point to is someone, someone asked him, will there be any strong connections between the main run and this nightmare? And he said, coyly, maybe with lots of Y's and lots of E's. So he's obviously being coy so about yes. it. Yes, yes, there will be. Yes. Um, I mean, functionally, <laughs> Night Terrors number one and two are are going to be Green Lantern number three and four. We're just never going to acknowledge them as those numbers because the official numbering won't show up until two months later. Yeah. No, uh, and I agree with you because man, is that like I, I, <laughs> I, I, I try to keep myself from what are what are we on now? Generation X or whatever or, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I try to keep myself from adopting too many of these uh, of these quote unquote modern phrases, which now great, I sound like an old guy. But as the kids say, the, <laughs> that scene on the plane was cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I co- I was losing my mind. I couldn't like everything, everything because we talked for like 20 minutes last month about about all oh, men. Hal is being such a jerk. All that stuff outside by the car. What's Hal doing? That looks like the tamest stuff in the world. Like Hal, jo- I don't know what is happening in Hal Jordan's mind, but he has escalated and is I don't know if he is currently dangerous or about to become because he's like, like he, he orchestrated this situation where he, like he, he first, he gets all buddy, buddy with Carol's fiance and then creates a situation where, where oops, you, you got your drink all over you, better go to the bathroom to wash it off. Oh, let me just break the doorknobs when you're in there. So now you're locked in the bathroom and I can have I can have some alone time with Carol, who I have trapped in this jet hundreds of feet in the air where she can't escape. And also, I'm the co-pilot, so I am the one in a position of power here. Like the nicest thing I can call this is stalker behavior. Like, did you, did you mention the jostling of the plane, the intentional? Yeah. Yeah. To make him spill the thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Like, Sorry. like, and, and he lies to literally everyone on this plane to get into the right position. It, it's if the exact things Hal does in this issue were done by literally anyone else, we would look at that and say, well, clearly they're the villain of this story. It is. This is mind blowing. Like I, like I'm hoping that we get into this guy's head at some point soon because I don't know how you come back from this. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bad comparison. But it's. I was like, who? What behavior does that remind me of in like cinema? And you know what I actually thought of? Um, Saw. No, what's his name oh, from come Iron on, Man? <laughs> No, what's his name from Iron Man three who was trying to hit on Pepper? Killian. Yeah, yeah. His behavior reminds me that that I mean, obviously not the literal villain of the story or whatever, but like the not taking a hint, the really pushing it, the creepy, icky feeling you get from him. Like it was, it was kind of that for me, uh, at least in that scene. And I want to, I want to make, I want to clearly draw a line here because between like oh my god i can't believe what hal is doing and oh my god these creators don't know what they're doing because on the no, 100%, side, yes 
Yeah, on the creative side of it, I think I said something like this on Twitter already, but like Jeremy Adams has such a thorough understanding of the character of Hal Jordan that he can lean on Hal's personality traits in such a way that it showcases the absolute best and worst of what Hal is capable of in the same issue, where depending on the page that I'm looking at in this comic, I'm either rooting for Hal or <clears throat> or like wanting to kick him in the throat. Like and like something that I think was very, very well and intentionally done here is that after Hal locks Nathan in the bathroom, Hal sits down in Nathan's seat, very unsubtly taking the place of Carol's fiance. And and like there's there's such like a such a bone chilling scene where he's like where he's like, you know, that Nathan, he's a nice guy. And Carol agrees. And then he leans in and says, you know, some would say I'm a nice guy. And that's when I flip back just to make sure I remember this right. The title of this issue is Nice Guys Finish First, which in perspective of the story is like, oh, oh, this is how this is how trying to this is how like winning in his head. This is this is how replacing the uh, what he perceives as an obstacle in the way of what's right. And this issue uh, and honestly, this issue, it didn't bother me nearly as much. (laughs) God, it just didn't. It it just it's how being how. And I I saw I saw it more as how. First of all, yes, it's an extension of what we saw last issue, but it's just. I don't know. It's it's Hal circumventing the rules and taking advantage of things the way Hal Jordan would do. You know, looking using the using the camera to see what was going what was going back in the cabin. So that's so he was able to do what he did with the plane, so he could spill it on his shirt and yada yada. And I don't know. I didn't I didn't think it was as horrible as you guys are you, you guys took it. Um, I mean, when I look at at uh, the scene where he's approaching Carol and. Like she calls him out for it. She's he he says like like oh sorry about the turbulence everything okay and she says no it's not okay I what do you think you're doing he's like oh I'm you know I'm just flying it's what I was born to do and there is this look of fear on her face when she like as she like stutters her words saying like no you're here because you know you're here for me and it's like like if I'm Carol. After this, I am getting on the phone with literally any other superhero, like anybody who has ever been on the Justice League before and and being like, look, we we I have a problem. Please set out. Do you have Superman's phone number? I need help. Yeah, I, I, I think I come down. Uh, yeah, I, was, I think I come down somewhat in, in between the two of you a little bit like do I think and it, it's what you mentioned, Dan, that's really critically important here is what what the creator's intending here. The creator, in this case, Jeremy Adams, the writer, knows how so well that we can play this card and do this with Hal Jordan because we are technically characterizing him right. He's an out-of-touch flyboy. He's completely out of touch. He's literally been off of the surface of this planet and its human social normal interactions and stuff for years. And he's thinking he can just slide back into the way things used to be in every aspect of his life and hitting a wall and 
in a very Hal Jordan way, saying the wall doesn't exist and keep pushing past it because that's what Hal does. But realizing that doesn't really work anymore, at least in certain situations. For instance, and let's eschew the whole romance thing for a hot second, the way he acted professionally in the first issue as if the whole drone thing wasn't an already done decision, like he was going to force this Fortune 500 company, one would imagine in the DC universe, this Fortune 500 company to change their entire direction because he had to prove a point. Like that sort of hotshot action stuff doesn't really fly anymore. You you know, we've we've made a decision. We're moving on with it. And I think this is that same sort of thing mentality that he has at play in his romance life like he's not if there any if like let's say if i was in hal's position if someone put that in in, and i want to be very clear i'm not trying to say hal is being predatory i think i think it's coming off a little a little like that to certain readers of course but i i can see it as just a cocky you know out of touch flyboy like i said but i think I think the way they're playing with it gives us the opportunity for how to grow a little bit, because if I was in this situation and I saw someone like, look, I'm with somebody else, blah, blah, blah. Yes. I get the whole mentality because we were all raised with this mentality. A lot of us were raised with this mentality of you're supposed to fight for the people you love and stuff like that. And be, be, you know, put yourself out there, be aggressive, blah, blah, blah. If I was experiencing this same moment, I'd be like, okay, cool maybe i've finally gotten the hint would you be cool with you and i like can we go have dinner or something and i don't mean like let's go have dinner baby or like can we meet up for coffee can i talk to you and express to you what i'm trying what i'm feeling right now and why i'm feeling that but that's not how jordan so like i don't i don't I, i i can see that what jeremy adams is doing here is intentional and we are supposed to feel some way about how Hal is acting in his everyday life. Yeah, I and I think I think you were right that the basically the crux of all of this is you know, this isn't so bad as long as Hal learns a lesson from it mm-hmm. and it experiences some kind of personal growth and changes because of it. Like I the thing like one of the things I love so much about issue 1 is that is that fact that like like you said he thought he could just walk back into his life and everything would be exactly the same only to be met with resistance at every turn because no that is literally impossible you have to change otherwise you're not like you're not going to fit here anymore and like i it, it is in character for hal to keep beating his head against the same wall over and over again until it breaks I'm just waiting for the moment to come where he finally comes to terms with, with the fact that it's not going to break and he has to do something else. Yeah. Right. And for honestly, worst possible case scenario is it does break and this behavior pays off. Would this be a good segue to say, I think there's another factor contributing to Hal's fucked up emotional state. No. 
<laughs> but, okay. but, but go ahead anyway. <laughs> I'll go to the bathroom. Keep talking, Jen. <laughs> there, there was there was a significant lull. I was like, all right, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned this last episode, and even I, in conversation, dismissed it as I didn't think it was very likely at all because of a multitude of reasons, which we said in that episode when we covered issue one. I'm going to bring it up again because I think it's, I think, I think we're there. Uh, um, Kilowog's dead guys. Kilowog is straight up dead. Uh, and I will allow, and I'll get to my explanations for why I, I think there could be reasonable doubt here uh, as well. So I'm, I'm not going to just, you know, lock it in as a hundred percent possibility, but. But, but you it, did. But you did. <laughs> let, 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 let me lay out some evidence. In the solicit for issue one, uh, it says a heartbreaking defeat has sent Hal reeling, returning home to discover his roots. And this is dot 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 and to f- and find the man responsible for ruining his life, Sinestro. Okay. Dot 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 ellipsis or whatever. That could mean those are two different things, or those things are somehow connected or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Or Something I just thought of right now, Sinestro killed or was responsible, involved in whatever killed Kilowog. Okay, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Just the solicit itself, okay? A heartbreaking defeat. Not just a defeat, a heartbreaking defeat, okay? In that same first issue, we see Hal sitting on top of his uh, brother's trailer that he's squatting in. And he is talking to Kilowog as if Kilowog is there. We never see Kilowog in any of these panels. And he is literally talking to the open air saying things like, you know, it, you know, if you were here, I know what you'd say, so on and so forth. And by the way, I have the panel in front of me. There's a there's actually a, a panel devoted to Hal raising his glass to the sky saying, here's to views of the heavens, uh, which we didn't pick up on last time hmm. we talked about this in the uh, narrative first page of this issue which we all discovered apparently the first page of this so that tells us a little bit about what's been going on about with the green lantern Corps, some you know quote-unquote notes from the united planets apparently this wasn't published in the digital one for some reason it's in the printed version it's out there you guys can go find it if you actually picked up a printed version of this issue there's a bunch of stuff that's, that's labeled as the united planets department of internal affairs memorandum slash urgent Okay, we have entries for Thal Sinestro, Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Kyle Rayner. It also says all other 2814 lanterns are reassigned. We can get to the rest of this later on in the episode. But there's a line that says redacted, where the name would be. Deceased, former lantern Jordan field report. Okay, when we see Kilowog in this issue, there is no mention of how he got there. Why he's there? Like, is he in solidarity with Hal and his decision? Did he quit the core? What's going on? There's no mention of that. And since art is important here because it's half of the experience of a comic book, if not more, depending on who you ask, if it's valid to watch a film and take into consideration not just the characterization of somebody on film, but what they're wearing, Kilowog is wearing a white wife beater and light colored jeans and he's wrapped in sunlight as this is going on it's it's a scene they're sharing a drink 
setting, the sun is setting, so on and so forth. There's a lot of artistic, light-hearted cues here, which that's admittedly low on my list of quote-unquote evidence. And he's very much playing the old wise man on the mountain role. Hal's coming to him for advice, much another trope that you see in fiction, in addition to the whole, you know, if you were here, you'd say thing is, you know, lean, you know, kind of taking that a step further and taking advice from that person and as a way to cope with your grief and stuff. Kilowog's dead. He's either dead or presumed dead. And either Hal is processing his grief and knows that Kilowog is dead or Hal is suppressing the memory that Kilowog's dead. So Kilowog's dead or presumed dead. Hal knows and is processing or is suppressing. It makes me really want a flashback to see what the hell caused them to quarantine the whole sector. And it seems to me that two issues of Hal experiencing a nightmare dimension would be a pretty nice place to do that. You make a good case, Chad. Yeah, I but mean, you're wrong. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if you're wrong. I, I, I mean, circumstantially, everything points to you being right. I, I suppose, especially because of the fact that we have, mostly because we have no way of un, of knowing. There's no explanation in story for if Kilowog is alive, why he's there, and how he got there. Especially since we know, based on how trying to escape, that. A, lant- a, a lantern's ring shouldn't be able to get him kilowog to Earth because the fact that it's, since the sector's quarantined, that it's uh, we assume that a Green Lantern ring isn't going to work in 2814 right now. Though I'd like to figure, I like a real explanation for how the Guardians, I mean, how the United Planets could figure that shit out. Uh, yeah. So, but even but you kind of get the impression that's that's is why that's why Hal's ring, which we still have to talk about too. Why Hal's ring kind of just completely crapped out when he was about to leave the atmosphere. So unless we get it without an explanation, though, we could get one of why um, of how Kilowog got to Earth. And yes, with that that being absent, then, yeah, it certainly points to you being right. I mean, whether he's alive or dead, that he's not on Earth. This is this is completely in Hal's head. Unless there's like the only other thing they could pull is like, oh, actually, they're through the magic of subspace or whatever, they're talking to each other from across space or something. Like, there's no way Kilowog is physically on the planet Earth if he's alive. But, Mark, I think what you were trying to say is it seems like Chad is right, but it's Chad. So he can't be. Yeah, Jim wouldn't let me get away with that either. <laughs> but but the track record indicates that's very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll throw that theory right out the window. I mean, everybody can hit the dartboard once in a while, you know. I mean, <laughs> no, I and and to to again play the devil's advocate, I said I was going to circle back to a couple of reasons for this potentially not being true. We have night terrors coming up. Um, I don't know that if Jeremy Adams really has as much of a plan for that as he thinks. Um, that would seem like the perfect grounds to address some of the stuff with uh, Kilowog and everything, but I don't know if I'm right, but I don't know that he would, that it makes sense pacing wise to play that card that soon in the series, because that would seem like a perfect event to process your fear, your, you know, so on and so forth, your worst case scenarios. There's lots of mention of Sinestro in those solicits. So 
maybe maybe we will see something flashback or whatever. Um, Although I don't think he's writing the Sinestro backups. Right. Um, and then there's also uh, the fact that Jeremy Adams, you know, it was only two episodes, but he wrote two episodes of the Green Lantern in uh, animated series, which was heavily Kilowog focused. So the idea that Jeremy Adams of all people would be responsible for killing Kilowog, uh, which would presumably be somebody he really enjoys writing, that provides some doubt. There's also, of course, the idea that that doesn't really engender, uh, engender. I don't know. What's the word? No, I think you got it. Yeah. Engender you to your audience because. Endear. Endear. There we go. It's been a long day. I'm learning lots of stuff at my new job, guys. Uh, by the way, I have a new job. Uh, um, Yay. Uh, thank you. Endear him to this audience because you're killing off of a beloved character in one of your first several issues. And we know how killing off a character, especially off panel, went for Green Lantern fans in that last series we just had. I imagine that if I'm right, if Jeremy Adams is capable of killing Kilowog, because we've seen Jeremy Adams play around with the flashback to one month ago, present day, the next day, so on and so forth, and all this hopping around in time that he's doing in his own storytelling... That if he killed Kilowog in his in his story arc, um, then in flashback we will see that, and eventually, however many issues it takes, we will get to the point where we see that in full and its full impact, and his death will have a meaning. I don't think it's just going to be an off-panel thing. Uh, so, and that's part of why I didn't want to talk about this on Twitter just yet. I only posted about it in spaces where there's longer form content like Reddit, like our discord stuff like that, where I can really lay out the points and everything because Twitter in particular has a capacity, even if you're just trying to post a theory to be like, not only people commenting on your theory, but then tagging Jeremy Adams in it and goes, if it's true, I'll hate your book forever. Don't you dare do this. Like, Dude hasn't had a chance to play his cards yet for his own series. I don't want to add anything to the fire that's going to make people um, potentially. And I'm not saying like this is going to go viral if it's true or whatever, like none of that shit. But like knowing Twitter the way I do, it has the possibility to set the wolves on the man. And I don't want to do that at the very least before he's had a chance to tell his story if i'm right (laughs) yeah and it's so early like we can't even begin to see the shape of whatever it is he's building and i mean if it makes everybody feel any better there's a there's a very real possibility that kilowog is still alive and just experiencing something far worse than death (laughs) let's go and chat (laughs) (laughs) i don't want kilowog to be dead but at the same time he he's died and come back before he can handle it <laughs> true true and it wouldn't uh it wouldn't be the, the if if it plays out this way it wouldn't be the first time sinestro is somehow involved <laughs> i wonder if we'll get a really cool scythe again that would be awesome <laughs> <laughs> all right mark you wanted to circle back around to the ring Yes, Dan. Now, now, now is it your opportunity to talk about when where Chad is absolutely wrong? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm bored of that by now. <laughs> you were you were the you were the most right. I think I was somewhere in the middle because I thought maybe he had a ring, but it just was invisible, and he get, and he just copped to charge. And now we got now we get a full on explanation that you're 
recap analysis was pretty much dead on with in the first issue. Yeah, and I mean, I I legitimately didn't think of the possibility of like the invisible concealed ring, which would have been, would have been like a really nice like sil- early Silver Age pull. But like, I think it was after we we ended the episode, I was like, wait a second, why would he have it? It he, he doesn't get to keep it if, if he quits. But uh, but either way, and then you can chalk it up to like, oh, the United Planets doesn't know how to do whatever. Doesn't matter. But in this issue, after how off panel dispatches the guy in the Manhunter armor from last issue, he's literally flying through the sky saying, uh, saying, you know, here I am with with a next thing I know, I yank out the Owen energy from the Manhunter suit and form a ring out of sheer willpower. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. And and for the record, people playing along at home and Dan knows this as well. Uh, we actually got into a more of that discussion with our listeners over on Twitter uh, and Jeremy Adams actually responded and he said, we'll get more into it in issue two, which he clearly did. But Hal didn't have a ring. He used the energy and material from the now active Manhunter armor and basically co-opted it with his will, making a new ring. And then he said, man, I suck. I'll try to make it clear. <laughs> I'll try better to make it clear. <laughs> yes, Jeremy Adams seems like a humble guy, and I like that. Yeah. But so, yeah, if you you go to Green Lantern number two, page three, if you want to see Hal Jordan directly saying, turns out Chad Bokelman was wrong. I got <laughs> this one wrong, everybody. And he looks at a, He flies past a goose and says, can you believe how wrong Chad was? And the goose goes, squawk! <laughs> He's like, I know, right? <laughs> uh what do you guys think about the pulling out the demolition team i think it's a cool pull and it it works for what the moment was it's like he doesn't even have to fight anybody he's literally just come back from his big grand entrance slash quote-unquote big fight or whatever and he's like oh it's 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 the equivalent to like Batman, you know, a Batman issue starting off with like, you know, going up against the Riddler or somebody like that. And after he's done, he's, you know, still patrolling Gotham and he comes across a mugging and he's like, oh, uh, you know, uh, you know, Batman likes to go. He especially nowadays is involved in all the big shit now. So probably returning to, uh, you know, something as easy, quote unquote, for him as like a bank robbery or a holdup or something is is probably probably pretty tame and honestly relaxing for him. So maybe maybe Batman has fun with it a little bit. You never know. Um, so I I like the idea that Hal's like unwinding by screwing with the demolition team. <laughs> yeah, and this two page spread of the the construct ghosts is beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is like legitimately haunting, and like the the faces each of the demolition team is making like like. It's it it sells the emotion of the moment so well. Very much so. Did we want to circle back around to the narrative uh, page, the the full thing? Sure. Okay. So for the people playing along at home, some of you I know read digitally, so I don't know if uh, DC will fix this or not uh, in any updates or whatever. But just to read it in case there's some of you out there who don't have access to it, like we didn't. Um, it says Green Lantern Corps Internal Affairs classified by order of the United Planets uh, by unanimous council vote. Sector 2814 has been summarily quarantined. The outer perimeter will be monitored for trespassers and trade between sectors with 2814 is hereby prohibited. 
lawbreakers will be remanded to the council per the UPC for judgment and punishment. And there's a little map with a quarantine zone and all of that. I think we kind of all knew that minus the actual specifics of it, I guess. But uh, the, the stuff of note here is down at the bottom on, in the United Planets Department of Internal Affairs Memorandum slash urgent. Fall Sinestro, location unknown slash advise. Hal Jordan, status inactive slash energy source detected. Then what I said earlier, redacted, deceased, slash former Lantern Jordan field report. John Stewart, location unknown, slash advise. Kyle Rayner, redacted, slash field report. And then all other 2814 Lanterns reassigned. What if instead of Kilowog being dead, it's just going to be a crossover with deceased? (laughs) (laughs) Some multiversal hijinks. Hal does. Hal just said in this issue he missed hijinks. <laughs> Who doesn't miss hijinks? It's the low jinx you got to watch out for. <laughs> but I like see. I like the implication that that he's got an idea for something to do with Kyle. Maybe, unless it's going to be tackled in one of the other two Lantern books somehow that we're going to be getting by the end of this year. Yeah, it could be. Well, I mean, I'm assuming the Alan Scott one is taking place mostly in the 40s. Yeah, I think so. Um, by the way, I need to get you that issue, Mark. Um, oh, the Alan Scott thing came out? Yeah, the DC Pride through the years or whatever issue. That's oh, that's, that's the prologue setting it up, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the whole thing is a bunch of reprints except for that Alan Scott story. But anyways, yeah, no, I, I would like to see, you know, honestly, because he... He quote unquote gets Hal so well. I think I think I would be excited to see a Jeremy Adams telling of something involving Kyle Rayner. I think it would be fun. I think you'd do very well with it. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm 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 very much. I don't know. I, people probably can't tell based on the rants I go on on these episodes now, but I am very much enjoying this book and the work being done with it. And this is in that the most exciting phase of it where it kind of could be anything and we're we're pulling on every thread and trying to follow it back to all the places it could go. And it's just, it's also so there's so much of an emotional roller coaster with these characters in just two issues that like, yeah, there's so much potential here. Yeah. And it's really making up for lost time too with uh, what the year plus we didn't have a green lantern series. I don't think it was that long. It pretty much it was close. Yeah, dude, it was like April, right? Years. Wasn't it? It was. It wasn't it like April. That, but that's when they ki- that they put the kibosh on the John Stewart book. Yeah, during... pretty pretty sure. Oh, maybe is that when Dark Crisis was? I don't even. Yeah, know. Yeah, that's pretty much when we were getting into the thrill fest of Dark Crisis. Woohoo! I one... still kind of want to go back and reread Dark Crisis. Just I feel like it would read no, better in one. No. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you do it, buddy. You let us know how it more turns it's out. A, it's okay, Chad. Dark Crisis can't hurt you anymore. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> it touched uh, me in places I don't want to remember. What one, one thing? Well, two things of note. I was thinking about, um, you know, the kind of joy or whatever that Jeremy Adams could bring to a Kyle Rayner story, and it was making me think of the other moment of joy that we get in this actual issue of how flying. Uh, and everything and how much he's enjoying that and ha- forget just screwing with the demolition team, but like the, you know, the actual flying and having fun, even getting to test the ring 
Um, you know, that reminds me of who did the issue? Um, the one where Hal takes Kyle flying. Oh, the uh, was wasn't that like a Darwin Cook thing? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. It was a Darwin Cook issue. Yeah, that was in like <laughs> one like in an annual or an eighty page giant or something. I mean, it was basically like right after Rebirth. It yep. was like some, somehow sandwiched oh, between Rebirth secret, and the start of the series. It, I think it was the Secret Files. Okay. It was like it was like a like the Secret Files that came out like right after the Sinestro Corps war ended. Oh, was it Sinestro Corps? Okay. I think so. Gotcha. Yeah, it was just making me think of you know the joy of flying and stuff like that. Also, yet another uh, um, very clear indicator of Hal Jordan is the guy who's gonna you know encounter a wall and try and push past it or whatever every single time very out of touch and everything we literally see Hal go oh i have a new ring i should test it then starts flying into the stratosphere without a thought of what happens if this thing goes dead <laughs> yeah easy come easy go <laughs> i mean I've, I've already made this joke once i'll make it again I don't know why he's surprised because this is exactly how all of his test flights end. <laughs> it was Secret Files 2004. Nice. So that is you know. after Rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, okay. what I saw indicated it was 2004, but it would make sense because I do think I do think it was right after Rebirth because that was the that was the point because ha, because technically speaking, Hal Hal and Kyle really had never really had real real true interaction as green lanterns until af- until after rebirth because there was always parallax or specter so yeah you know then, what then dead <laughs> in between you know i just noticed now hmm. this is the first time that i can really remember how taking his ring with him when he flies a plane and i'm sure like i'm sure it comes down to like well this is this is like a commercial passenger jet sort of thing so it's not really the same but part of me like like when i thought about i'm like oh wait a second does he have his ring going into this night terrors thing but he does and it's just like i hope i hope there's some kind of mention of that in the just like dissecting his thought process a little bit it makes makes perfect sense i mean because of the fact that having it during test flights is it was a crutch because he would he would he would never have to worry about anything because he he would always have backup. So no matter what he did crazy, he would he would always have his ring. So he would do things that he that a normal pilot would or could never do or would try because the fact or might not try. But he always knew that, hey, it would all work out all right if I had the ring no matter what. And and, and this in this situation, he it's not theoretically it's not as dangerous a job and in case anything ever went wrong having the ring would be beneficial if you have a bunch of people on the plane you gotta save yeah <laughs> yeah that's true he was <clears throat> technically the only one ever at risk so uh and doing test flights i also think it could have something to do with whatever he learns about the ring because when we see him falling from the sky that's a past uh like a one month ago or whatever story and him flying Carol and them is a now story. So maybe he learned something about the ring between then and now, uh, the special ring. Maybe he can't leave it behind. Like that That's not me theorizing or whatever in terms of like trying to put it for something that's, that's right. But like an option of something he could learn. Example of an option. He's something, something he could learn between now and then. 
about the ring each, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I like the fact that the learning curve of the ring is it kind of it ju- almost justifies the cliffhanger of the flashback because like even if this even if Hal's story on Earth was being told completely chronologically, we would know that him falling from the stratosphere with no powers was not going to kill him. Something was going to come along and save him because he's the main character of the book. He has plot armor. So how so like like the fact that they left that as a cliffhanger to that part of the narrative in this issue would have even less impact because it's in the past and we see in the future he's fine. But I'm still really interested to see what happens because whatever happens is going to give us more information about how his new ring works. And again, as with everything else in the story, this ring could have any properties that Jeremy Adams wanted to give it because it is a weird homemade thing Hal just forced into existence. Who knows how closely it, it resembles a real Green Lantern ring. True. Yeah, man. This this issue did feel really quick, though, if I'm being honest. I think so, too. Yeah. I think it was... It's a weird, like, like it felt like it went by quickly, but I feel like a lot's happened. Like, right now, I feel like there have been more than two issues of this book that came out, even though there haven't been. Hmm. Certainly compared to what we're used to, yes, <laughs> and maybe that's part of it too. It's the it's the expectation game. It's like there, there's a, there's a lot happening, and we kind of understand what's going on to a certain extent. But even the stuff that we don't, it's 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 intriguing, and we're waiting for all the pieces to fall into place. And it didn't take long, I think, for the last book to kind of like start heading towards that ditch. And uh, I mean, I mean, part of it might also be it might also come down to the fact to the, like the the personally emotionally taxing reaction I, this book gets out of me every issue. So it's like, oh, I finished reading the new issue of Green Lantern. I have to sit down. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like the 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 biggest the uh, the the part of the book that suffered the most from a lack of forward mo- uh, movement is the John Stewart backup, where you know in issue one. I felt like I got all, so much context to the comings and goings of this world in just a couple pages. Whereas in this one, it was almost like reading a, a single comic strip where it's just kind of there to remind you of exactly what the status quo is. But we've advanced forward one panel worth of information for next time. Yeah, we saw we we saw the the revenant queen or whatever show up and kill guy and you know shepherd was left and then she this issue she's attacking shepherd again and succeeds in taking out the watchfire supposedly and now he's got backup that's, that's yeah. really really it <laughs> I, mean, I mean i'm glad shepherd is still around and i'm in, i'm still interested to see what happens but it's like i don't know this I think it's a little worse because there's not going to be a Jon Stewart section in Night Terrors. It's going to be a Hal Jordan story in the lead with a Sinestro backup. 
important in either of the of the night terror stories so that means two months without this backup yeah which and i think oh god what month is it i believe the i don't have it written down where i thought i did because we're we're not that far out from the john stewart book that this is going to spin out from so once night terrors is over there's probably only going to be like maybe one more john stewart backup or something like that Depends on if we think it's going to come out before or after the uh, Alan Scott series starts up. Oh, it's going to be before. They they uh, they gave us the month before. I just don't remember oh, where it is. It, it did. Uh, yeah, Al, Alan Scott's coming in like October, I think. Yeah. Do we think uh, does does everything that happened then make Shepard the torchbearer of his universe, or is John literally being the Watchfire make him the torchbearer? Huh. I mean, Shepard is kind of, he kind of, he looks like Guy Gardner, but is functionally Kyle Rayner. So, you know, I, I don't know. He's kind of. Well, I mean, he's the last lantern. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I guess he's the, he's technically the, tor- well, I mean, if the torchbearer is the, the last green lantern, then yeah. Cause John's the last guardian. John's like parallax to Kyle's green lantern. <laughs> He's kind of around, but he's kind of something different. <laughs> but based on your old standard textbook definition of what a Green Lantern was, based on expectation, then yeah, he would. Or 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 you split the difference, and he's kind of what Sodom out is in, in the future. <laughs> what do you think about the troubles that our John is having adjusting to just normal life? I mean, they make sense. Part of me, when I read that, I was a little, I was a little upset with myself uh, in uh, my interview with with uh, Jeremy Adams because there's a he literally says, what does he say? Um, with so, Phil, Philip Kennedy Johnson. Yes, that's sorry, what I meant. yep, sorry, yeah, Philip Kennedy Johnson. It, like I said, guys, it's already been a long week. Um, but uh, yeah, you know when you start a new job and you're literally just what weeks and weeks of just watching a checklist of videos again and again and again and training. Yeah, I'm just. I'm being asked to suck up a lot of information, so forgive me if I'm a little spacey. In in my interview with Philip Kennedy Johnson, like one of the things I talked about, it was praising him for, based on what he was he was saying about his John Stewart story, like how he didn't want to touch on the whole military stuff too much, and because you know when it's written, it's usually written with such a civilian voice, and it's you know never done right. And I'm like, yeah, and they do a lot of tropes, like you know uh, the person who comes back from civilian life can't can't uh, relax they're looking for bombs around every corner stuff like that and like and i was saying that in almost a derogatory way like it's a trope everybody does that blah 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 then he literally says john stewart literally says everything feels like it's happening in slow motion like things are going to start blowing up again any minute <laughs> so uh, whatever <laughs> but at least i mean it does make sense uh it, it you know it's a trope for a reason People who are in high intensity environments at nearly all times adjust that everybody adjusts uh, or they break uh, to whatever new environment that they're put in, especially soldiers and stuff. So the trope of coming back and looking for danger around every corner is is there for a reason. Um, So and it would make sense, given the escalated situation that John is in. Uh, and everything he's been through recently, because, you know, we remember we're supposed to know that this is all still everything that happened in the Thorn Run is technically still in canon. So 
it it makes even more sense for him. So I I like I like that we're getting these personal moments with him, and I I even forgive it for this side of the story also not advancing us very much in what we know about what's going on with the John Stewart side of things because we're actually getting a lot of personality out of it. Yes. So the last time anybody talked about the release date for the John Stewart book, it was slated for September. That would be the same month as Green Lantern number three following Night Terrors. But since this chapter of the John Stewart backup says it'll be continued in number three, then the John book is probably going to come out a little later than that. So possibly October. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It's not that far away, the way. Time flies. It'll be here before you know it. It's almost Christmas, Mark. I know. And, uh, I mean... Especially if it's Christmas in July, Dan. (laughs) Holy crap, oh my god. I haven't haven't seen that uh, movie in a while. I was just thinking of the... The film it was a filmation or claymation or whatever the Rudolph's New Year, uh, um, not New Year's. Uh, oh, the Rankin Christ- Bash. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, was it called Christmas in July? I I, I mean there was Rudolph's shiny in New Year. Yeah. I there, I think there was a Christmas in July one. Did Frosty do a Christmas in July? Is that why he was melting? He always melts. The man the the man needs a better. Uh, it's both. He needs a cold suit. 1979, Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. There you go. Yeah. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. He's right again, Dan. <laughs> and my really, God. There's and no really living that, with him now. Really, that's what the John Stewart story is all about. And we can thank the genius of Philip Kennedy Johnson for <laughs> delivering this message to us. <laughs> no, but I think it I think it's cool. Just the at by the end of the year, we'll have a Hal Jordan series, a John Stewart series, and an Alan Scott series. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Now, I know, obviously, the Hal book is an ongoing. The Allen book is a six-issue miniseries. I have seen people talk about the John book being a miniseries, but I've never seen where that information came from. Do we actually know if it's a miniseries versus an ongoing? If you listen to Philip Kennedy Johnson's interview with Blog of Oa, um, he doesn't address it, but it he phrases things in such a way, and I, I agree with Myron's kind of interpretation of what he says in that interview, that it may be like a maxi series, like a eight to twelve issue series or something like that instead, um, with the potential of being an ongoing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they literally just did that with Poison Ivy. That started out as I think a six issue book, but it was really popular, so they extended it, and then they extended it again to make it an ongoing series. Yeah. It would be hard when you think about it. It would be hard to make this an ongoing book and still focused in on this pseudo dream world planet thing that doesn't really exist in our universe indefinitely. I guess you could do it, but it would inherently be less interesting over time. It'd be much more of a niche, I think, audience then because, you know, it's like what literally this whole you until unless you wrap it up in the end where somehow it doesn't over spill into our universe and it has consequences. On the surface, if everything was self-contained and all of a sudden then it's, then, then, it, then it ends and really has no great value or interest and ramifications on everything going on in the main DCU. True. I think, though, it also like, yeah, you said you I mean, you said it, the, the ramifications that happens in the real world or whatever. But I think a lot of us, too, may be thinking about this and assuming 
obviously there's there has to be some point at which quote unquote our John gets involved in this, right? I think a lot of us may actually just be assuming that, you know, he just it, it's it's like a call from above and he just get, gets sucked away into all this insanity. But it depends on how gradually he sort of enters the situation, like how much is is his mother involved or his other because we we also heard uh, Phil Kennedy Johnson talk about his sister a little bit in various interviews and we haven't yet seen the sister. So does his family play a part? Are they injured? Are they hurt? Are they involved somehow? Um, blah, blah, blah. It really depends on what brings that John and our John together. And uh, the biggest question I have about this story right now is the time skip, honestly, like how much time has passed and why even is it? Like, why does this universe exist? <clears throat> no, like, why, like, if you're going to bring back this universe, why have so much time pass since no. we saw it in the Dark Crisis tie-in? Like, that's a, that's a very specific choice to make. Why do you make it? And it's... Once you start... Once you start skipping ahead by that many years, you can, can, you can use that to conceal a whole lot of stuff. So it's I'm very interested by the choice. The we know a, a handful of highly specific choices that were made for this story at this point, and finding out why they were made is is very exciting. For sure. All right. Do we have anything else to say about this uh, next issue uh, in this series for GL? Nope. I'm ready for spooky summer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I I bit with Dark Crisis hard. I'm not biting with Night Terrors. I'll get the Green Lantern stuff. And I think I'm reading the main series digitally, but that's only because Dead Man is apparently so very prominent in the series. I was going to say, isn't this like a Dead Man event or something? You should be hmm. ex- you should be excited. And normally I would be, uh, but I am uh, the DC events of late have not been worth going all in on buying every issue every crossover every tie-in for a long while so yeah i'm only getting the green lantern books and if if there is because look i think you and i both agree that horror comics are are pretty excellent when they're done well and if some of these especially lately yeah yeah absolutely and if some of these end up being really good we can always go back to them or wait for like a trade that collects most of the good ones or something like that but yeah yeah, for for my own casual reading i'm only really going to go for the green lantern stuff wise move dan all right dan do you want to tell people how they can uh, find your stuff why, Chad, they can go over to Mosaic Comics on YouTube. That's the channel where I I devote way too much of my time to talking about Green Lantern in video essay form. And probably by the time, I don't know when this is posting, by the end of this month, <laughs> you'll be able to go there and find the final installment of GL June, where I wrap up the Circle of Fire storyline. And, you know, hopefully everybody who's listened to this episode and began that journey with you guys covering issue one and the Firestorm tie-in has followed that story through the other podcasts and will come around to my neck of the woods to see how it all wraps up. 
so that is Mosaic Comics on YouTube. And I've got a lot of other stuff in various stages of production that I can't wait to be able to tell you guys about. <laughs> We're counting on you wrapping it up good, Dan. Oh, shit, I gotta redo it then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, we know you'll do a good job. The impulse issue is so exciting. That's yeah, the one thing yeah. I actually haven't read yet. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, 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 I skimmed through it once after we talked last time about all the all, all the issues and where they fell but i i you meant you you mentioning that reminded me that is that is the only issue that i have i did not go back and reread so i guess i mean I, th- this is not a spoiler for the ending of circle of fire proper whatsoever uh when they collected circle of fire into a trade they left out impulse and that was correct <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me, wasn't there an issue of like Zero Hour that crossed over with Super, an issue of Super Supergirl that involved Zero Hour that took place and was published years after Zero Hour was actually published, and it like, had nothing to do with Zero Hour, or it was like very tangentially connected. I seem to remember something like that. I that, mean, Im- that sounds like something Peter David would do, but I don't know. uh kind of reminds me of the feeling of impulse it's almost like it wasn't even published around the same time (laughs) at least at least the cover fits in (laughs) Uh, somebody did their job correctly (laughs) (laughs) all right mark if people want to reach out to us and tell me i'm crazy or uh listen to any of our other stuff how do they do that chad you ignorance (laughs) was waiting for it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well we haven't done that live for a while so you'll walk into that uh lanterncast.com the email is lanterncast at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter like us on facebook hashtag geocast apple podcast spotify and stitcher please leave us a positive review if you like our discord also email us at lanterncast lanterncast at gmail.com last but not least if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail so when it I was doing so well. 708 Lantern. 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. And yes, uh, Lantern Cast Vids is our YouTube channel. Hey, real quick. Yes. I know we're done with the outro. Were we supposed to know who those two cops were on the first page? Their names are Marv and Donnie. And I'm like, is this a callback to something? (laughs) I don't think so. All right. I wouldn't have been able to sleep if I didn't ask. I would actually guess it's even if it's an inside joke, it's got to be it's got to be something I would suspect or else I don't know if we get both their names, but I I could be it could be absolutely it could be meaningless. But. It's like whatever Jeremy Adams wrote before this is are these flash I mean, characters are these flash cops? It's it's perfectly reasonable. Uh, this, this would easily be a question J- Jeremy would a- answer on Twitter. <laughs> we could just ask him. <laughs> this is true. I'll get right on that. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good Good night. night.